Hey everybody, Jeff here from this podcast. Instead of the quote, which I guess now in hindsight, I haven't done in quite a few episodes. It's me at the start of this episode giving a little bit of a warning. Now, normally these warnings are before scary episodes of The Simpsons or before episodes where there might be, you know, parental guidance suggested. Actually, I'm just doing this because a little bit into this episode, TC and I realized, should we have been worried about spoilers for Meet the Robinsons? And just to be safe, because you never know, and I don't want anybody to get mad in case we did spoil this film for you. Spoilers, I guess. Uh, this movie does kind of fall just outside of the 10-year rule for spoilers, but we're assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you in fact have seen this film and you know what the twists are that happen in this film. If not, please do not listen to this episode because we kind of just talk about it and that you know it wouldn't be fun if we spoiled it for you. So... Uh, just go ahead and not listen to it if you haven't seen this film. It's on Netflix, so if you want to, go watch it right now. It's only an hour and a half. And then, uh, you know, just stop doing your work. Stop driving to work. Stop taking the kids to school. Just, uh, you know, go and watch it right now. Your bosses and your kids will understand. And then come back and listen to the episode later on. Uh, and that is all. Just wanted to give a nice little polite heads up and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library, the podcast where we started with Snow White and we go all the way up to Moana and talk about every Disney animation film from the studios, not everyone, because mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. don't have 25 years to talk about these movies. Oof. I am Jeff. <laughs> so I tried to come up with something different, and that was the closest I could come up with. I'm That's a good, Jeff. Good approximation there, Jeff. Good job. I'm TC. And, hum- <laughs> and humoring me there is TC. Hi, TC. How are you doing? <laughs> good to be back. Here we are. We, we we delayed recording this week, so we, we had a couple extra days here. Um, yep. I've, I've been busy, so uh, typically it's Jeff who's busy, but no, this time it was me. It was you that was busy. Now, in all fairness, I was a little under the weather on Monday, mm-hmm. so actually this kind of worked out a little well. Or a little well? That's, that's a little grammar. Words. Right? We're back. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys all know, I can't talk. That's just mm-hmm. part of, that's my character. It's that's my part. character I play on this show. Yeah. Jeff, the guy who can't talk. <laughs> well, Jeff, the guy who can't talk, what are we talking about <laughs> this week? Well, this week we are watching number 47 mm-hmm. on our 47. list of 55 currently movies. Mm-hmm. 50, no, sorry, 56. I keep mm-hmm. saying 55. I keep forgetting about Moana. 56 movies. The number 2007 animated, CG animated film. That's Mm -hmm. throwing me off for such a loop. Meet the Robinsons. Meet the Robinsons. This is the first one done under the new Disney Animation Studios. Because Pixar's contract ended just before this movie was released. So they had to, (laughs) they needed to really physically, business-wise, separate themselves from Pixar. Uh, Right. Obviously, as people know now, Pixar did come back to Disney, but there was a, a short time here where Pixar did separate themselves from Disney. And it was kind of interesting to, to look back at these. So when this movie came out in 2007, and I know I briefly mentioned this at the end of last week's episode, but mm-hmm. Chicken Little, uh, our previous film that we watched, came out in 2005. So there was a right. year gap where there was not a, a, a one of these Disney animated films that were released. Right. Um, that's the first time that there was not one of these movies released uh, in a year since after uh, Aladdin in 92. 
well, maybe they shouldn't have released two Disney movies in the same year, and they could have <laughs> they could have filled this gap. That's true. That is very true. Because uh, uh, two man, what was that? There we had we had like three there with Fantasia, Dinosaur, and Emperor's New Groove, oh, right, and then yeah. a couple with Lilo and Stitch and Treasure Planet. Yeah, really. Actually, at this point, they could have had banked movies at this point. Uh, you know, that's just not how business works, Jeff. You no, start it's you, not st- how you it works. hit a release date. It's like the more modern the movie gets, the harder it is to like move a release date, especially with yeah. fast food and toys and all that stuff that they that tie the tie in merchandise. Well, because um, like yeah, for like toys, you know that those toys, that the designs for the toys got sent to the manufacturers probably a good year or so more in advance and they've been making the toys and they're starting production on that in order for the toy manufacturer to make their money back on their stuff they have to be able to get them out of the store shelves but they can't get them out too early before the movie comes out so it's like you got this precious delicate little balance of you know marketing and I don't know good. why I turned into Woody Allen <laughs> <laughs> well one of the one of the main reasons this got delayed this was actually delayed a year because uh, this was four years in production. Lasseter came on about halfway through production on this. Du- a dir- the director was switched. They re- <laughs> remade about half the movie. Uh, they had to recast the voice actor who plays Lewis because his voice broke. <laughs> oh, um, oh. Uh, there was some rewrites that were done. Um, but uh, look, Lasseter coming in. So now we are actually going to be seeing the effects of John Lasseter's hand. The man who, one of the men, men responsible for crafting and creating Pixar and and the greatness that is Pixar. He came in here, uh, had them redo the villain because he didn't feel that uh, the Bowler Hat Man was villainous enough. And actually, Doris, the actual villain behind this, uh, was created. Although that does show a little little bit of Lasterism in there because if you consider the fact that Wally was already in his head for for already a decade, right. Right. And if you think of the evil robot and Wally, there's a little bit of a uh, um, a trademark of Laster right there, the the evil sentient robot. Because also consider Incredibles gets itself a sentient evil robot as well. What's Laster trying to warn us about? <laughs> I feel like Lasseter saw 2001 A Space Odyssey when he was two, and yeah. it just destroyed his his trust in anything of, 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 uh, technological. Of, a, yeah, of artificial intelligence. It's yes. fine. I mean, it's interesting if you think about those three evil AIs are different in their own way. If you, the uh, Syndrome's evil spherical creation uh, and then um, the anchor, the, the ship, the evil... It's Sigourney Weaver from Wally. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so he went in and had them rec- like create a, a stronger villain. And as we've seen through the course of this library, sometimes the movie is uh, only as good as its villain. And uh, we'll, we can discuss Bowler Hat Man as we get, get <clears throat> further along. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, they had to re reshoot or re render, I suppose, um, a lot of this movie with more story elements, uh, more action sequences, the dia- the, the new sidekick. And, uh, and that's the hand of Laster at working. Now, last week, <laughs> I just want to do this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> because I, oh man, did you guys let me have it. <laughs> the, my, my favorite tweet from one of our listeners was that I, I, Decided to set up an, a joke of of correcting you on Gary and Penny Marshall, uh-huh. and uh, I wasted all mm-hmm. the time doing that. That I couldn't fact check the the Romeo and Juliet, which was not a Disney production, and I had to, I, Brad, uh, Brad, thank you for pointing out. You weren't the one that tweeted at me. Someone else tweeted at me that 
oh, maybe if you had spent more time fact-checking Nomeo and Juliet, you wouldn't have had time to correct Jeff for a simple error on the Marshalls. <laughs> and you guys are right. You guys are right. I could not for the... I knew that there was something that was supposed to be released as, as canon to this library, and it was moved by Lassiter, and I could... I thought it was Nomeo and Juliet, and I apologize for that misinformation. It's actually pains me that I did that because to make such an obvious error it puts into question everything I've ever said on this podcast <laughs> guys we are going to have to start this podcast completely over oh, we're going to go back to Snow White oh no just... no no I, I, I appreciate I love the listeners for, for calling me out on that because I, I don't want to be factually inaccurate and I had to figure out which movie I was thinking of the two movies last year moved out of Disney canon were the Tigger movie and Piglet's big movie and, the, oh. and he put those two straight to DVD releases and moved them to Disney Toon um, Animation Studios. So there was something that he moved. I wasn't completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record, yeah. I enjoy the fact that uh, <laughs> karma kind of like came back. Also, I totally did not mm-hmm. pay everybody to yell at you. Uh, what? Just enough sure. to be feeling. Knew it. You know what? You'll GC, pay for this. this podcast is only as good as its villain. And guess Aww. who's the villain? <laughs> okay, well, it's so not me. My apologies for last week, Jeff. I want to. I need to know. Did you manage to watch this movie without any knowledge that it was a time travel movie? I did. Yes. All right. Not cool. even kidding. It was I, great. I did not know it was a time travel film. I'm. I'm. And I. And I think that's what led me to be a little confused about the movie because I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> My general thought of this movie is I was I'm confused, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like I I might need to watch it again now that I know what to expect out of it. Okay, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but it, it, I yeah I did I had no idea it was a time travel movie, you know like they 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 introduce it in this world where it's kind of the it's kind of I I couldn't tell where in time it took place. It felt like. Um, it felt like the the boy. Oh, I'm spacing on the character's name. Louis. Wilbur? No, Louis. Louis. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, Louis kind of felt like his time was taking place in like a '60s, like a like a mid to late '60s era, kind yeah. of. It had, but it, it had it's the, one of those where it's broad enough. You it could be just any time with just that aesthetic. It's quote unquote present day. Right. See, but you like, know, thankfully uh, not present day enough that they littered it with '90s references. <laughs> Damn you, Chicken Little. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> though I do know because the movie does go to 2037. That's where mm-hmm. they go to the future. Okay. So then 2007. So, I, right. I believe he went 30 years. So that means then it's it was present day, but at the same time it was a present day with a 60s aesthetic to the whole thing. You know, it's like, which is not unheard of. But I think that confused me a little bit because I'm watching it going, okay, so, oh, so what? Okay, this is a movie... He's he's okay. He's he's in this time. He's in this time. He's in a modern day. Oh, he's a tech guy. Okay, he's gonna come up with an invention. And as it was going along, I'm like, okay, if this invention's to read minds. Does it accidentally become a time machine? Mm-hmm. That was my first thought. <laughs> While I was trying to like outguess this film. Yeah. And then once the uh, once the uh, the other boy shows up, that's Wilbur. Um, that's Wilbur. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I the names of these characters, I just had the <laughs> darndest time trying to keep track of. Uh, once he shows up, then I'll go, oh, okay. So he's, f- okay, he's obviously from a different time. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just it just great. was super we, confusing for a while. We, we had the, uh, after we had stopped recording yesterday, I don't even remember how we got onto it, but we started talking about time travel. And you were just, oh, I love time travel. I love time travel. And I'm like, 
<laughs> it's a time travel movie next week. Yay! <laughs> and it was, and it was an interesting. It was in fact an interesting time travel film. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was intrigued by it. I mean, it, it does hit a lot of the tropes. It hits mm-hmm. a lot of the like the kind of the cliche things, like oh, the the bad guy actually is the older version. You know, like, uh, is his friend, but he doesn't know it's his friend because it's his friend from the future. And it's goo, and he looks very different. That kid had a growth spurt. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Had a growth spurt and then just hunched over completely. (laughs) It it was the anger. The anger did it. The anger that made him do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, it was, it it was, it was an interesting film. The just, I, I, I did get a sense of, I just want to lay out some of the negative, more negative comments I might have off the bat here, just sure. because. Because I did enjoy it. I just was confused. <laughs> um, it did, quality-wise, it actually felt a little bit more like it should have been a TV show. Oh, you know what? I made I made a similar note, having done this re-watch, rewatching it now. I'd only seen this once before in its entirety, and mm-hmm. I liked it. And my nephew went for a spell where he watched it a lot, so I would see it intermittently which gave me some affection uh, for the, uh, a little bit of affinity for the film because I'd seen the little bits so often. But uh, re-watching it again this time in its entirety, it does feel like a setup for a TV series. Like right. there's, there's enough characters and things to play with that this could be the adventures of Lewis through time with his future family. Right, and that's and that's that it, it with all those with all those individual characters. I mean, we spend we spend ten fifteen minutes introducing literally every character in this family, <laughs> the like the twelve hundred people that make up his family, <laughs> <laughs> and they all have such interesting backstories that you only really ever get one or two of briefly, and it's kind of at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's and it almost unfortunately it almost feels a little shoehorned in, like the last five minutes of the film when everything is done, everything's safe, and you know, the world is okay and the future's not gonna be what you're thinking it's gonna be and and he's back, um uh Lewis is back to his his own time. It's like, oh, I'm gonna you know, I'm changing my name to Cornelius and oh look, there's my there's the the two older couple that were from the future, and oh hey, I just met my future wife. Oh, look, she yeah. likes, like it's all of these things that just really quickly shoehorned in. The the ending does feel a little too easy, and I don't know if he changed his name to Cornelius or if that's actually his name, and he just went by Lewis because Cornelius is maybe not the most like the coolest name for a kid to have. That's how I took right. it that his name was Cornelius, right. but he just went by Lewis. Uh, but yeah that, yeah, that ending, it's like all in the garage there. It's like oh. Okay, here's everything. Here's here's all the pieces I need to to create the future. Um, <laughs> and and being a time travel movie, there's always paradoxal like you got to follow your rules. Um they did a nice thing in the very very beginning when the mother when Lewis's mother leaves him on the stoop, you hear the scrape of Lewis's foot that makes her turn around. Which is interesting because that brings me back. Okay, guys, guess what? This is going to be a time travel episode of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about it for a little bit. Yeah. Because that brings it to, what type of time travel movie is this? Mm-hmm. Is it like, is, is it a closed this... loop? Did this always happen? Right, um, or is it a uh, is it a, a, a Back to the Future type where you can change the future if you do things in a mm-hmm. certain way? Because um, like if if they introduced that concept in the beginning where you heard Lewis's uh, foot scrape, mm-hmm. then that I mean I guess in theory. That in the beginning, that quote unquote flashback could really have been a flashback to the rewritten history 
you know, you could argue that that's what that flashback oh, actually oh, is. So we didn't see it sequentially. We saw that scene, which would take place later in the film. <laughs> Correct. Right. The, or, like or you could argue that that's what we actually saw. I, I one, I would, I kind of think we should argue that because Lewis saves Goob in the end. Like Goob, who becomes right. the the bowler hat man that launches this whole thing into into ex- you know, the time travel paradox. Like he's the bad guy, right? Well, he right. erased that from happening by having him catch the bo- a spoiler. Do we need to? I mean, I'm assuming people <laughs> listening to this watch the movie. <laughs> I am hoping, and we are in dare. You know, we are starting to be in that uh, that dangerous territory of if a film is younger than ten years old, we do have to yell spoilers. I guess at the beginning because but I'd this like movie to think did anyone, come out just over ten years ago, <laughs> right? But I'd like to think anyone listening to this has seen this movie at least, re- have seen it or they've rewatched it before listening. And weirdly enough, because this is time travel, because there's a twist ending. Uh, we're we're kind of in a territory I don't feel like we've necessarily had before in any of these movies. Have we? No. Right? Have we had to worry about that sort? Of, yes, there's been twists and turns. Like if you go to Atlantis, there's obviously the reveal that who the bad guy actually is. But this is the first conversation I feel like we're having where it's like, wait, wait, do we need to? Do wait, we need to should warn? we have told people uh, <laughs> that this we're spoiling the ending? Because Mufasa I honestly, dies. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not even the ending, spoiling the middle. Um, <laughs> spoiling the first 20 minutes, actually. <clears throat> like, it's a good point, though. That's that's a good point. Because, I mean, me going into it, having never seen this film, I didn't see... First off, I didn't see the twist that Lewis was the dad. I, I thought it was weird that we didn't see... You know, it was funny that, oh, we see everybody else in the family, but then when it gets to Lewis, it's not. There's no picture of him. <laughs> what did so look like? like? Well, he's kind of like... Uh, Tom Selleck. Uh, which I did think that joke was funny. And then once Cornelius actually starts talking at the end and I went, oh, and it actually is voiced by Tom Selleck. I got super it, happy. It, it took me till the that. credits because like when it happened, I'm like, oh, my God, whose voice is that? I know that voice. Who is that voice? And then the credits roll and it was Tom Selleck. That's hilarious. It was actually Tom Selleck, which is just better. Well done, movie. Yeah, I did. I did not see that coming. You know, I I didn't make the connection. I thought it was weird. I was trying to figure out why it's such a big deal, you know, that he's from the past, you know, or what, like, just there's got to be a bigger connection to this family. Um, Mm -hmm. So I didn't see that coming. I didn't see Goob being the villain until the scene when Goob is is talking to the bowler hat man in his room. And this bowler hat man, like, (laughs) stops and, like, yells at him for, like, you know. Let it fester. Yeah, let it fester. And I went, oh, okay, that's. Oh, okay. He's the older version of him. Oh wow, you like, you uh, figured that out that early? Because yeah, because I'm like, mm. no, that's that's too personal of a comment because that's a comment a person would make to themselves, mm-hmm. like literally to the, like, that they talk to themselves, not <laughs> to a random little boy. You know, like that. That was the one thing I went, oh, okay. He's the older version of him. Still, didn't know how he became a bad guy. Like that right. was still. I kind of think maybe you you picked up on that because of your love for time travel scenarios that you were True. looking for those clues. Because once I knew there was a time travel film, yeah, I was then, looking for the clues. <laughs> yeah, you were once once yeah exactly once you saw it. Okay, all right. So every all the information will be here early to pay off in the end. So that's just your time travel brain. I like time travel. It's fun. <laughs> it's entertaining. So have uh, we have we decided yeah. is this is this very much so okay so this is a, a a timeline it's a time travel film where they 
can change the future. I, I think I'm I'm going with Back to the Future rules because there. Okay. It, this whole movie so it's the itself effect. feels like there's there's homages to Back to the Future, not really heavy-handed ones per se, but the fact that it's Wilbur going back and meeting his dad, screwing up right. the future and having to work together to save the future. That's if if someone wants to claim this doesn't have homages to Back to the Future, I'm going to call him a liar. It's funny. It's actually kind of the it's Back to the Future, but from the perspective of the dad. Right. <laughs> I didn't make that connection until you just said that. But it's yeah, like cause, if you're cause, watching Back to the Future from George's perspective, right? <laughs> right. Well, Lewis is George, and mm-hmm. Wilbur is Marty, and instead of us following Marty back from the future to the past, we're seeing Marty come back to the present from mm-hmm. the future. <laughs> Interesting. I like that. I yeah. like that. Uh, uh, and and I, you know, one of the other things I really did like, I liked the concept of when, like, the the the, the defeating of the bad guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have already spoiled. We already said who the bad guy is. That it's yeah. it's Doris, the the AI bowler hat <laughs> invention. That the evil that, bowler uh, hat <laughs> with the red eye. That's how you know. With the red eye. That's how you know. See, Cornelius should have just made it with a blue eye, and it mm-hmm. would not have been bad. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever That's seen someone with a Bluetooth just walking around? That blue light is evil. That is true. Okay, make it with a green one, and we'll call it even. Okay, good. Uh, well, no, then we'll think they were good guys. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I like the fact that so that's the villain and mm-hmm. how does he take the villain down at the end of the movie it's not like some technical like hack like he doesn't like write a virus that destroys the AI or nope. brainwashes him it's literally him going wait I won't invent you he's using Bill and Ted rules <laughs> yes which I went that's funny because it's good. that's not what I mean even with it being a time travel film I still expected the villain's demise to be some just traditional trope, mm-hmm. you know, or some something happened. Deactivate it, the satellites. We need to hack the system. Right. Nope. Right. Just like, looking them in the face and saying, <laughs> "I will never invent you. <laughs> I, I'll never invent you." And then it just and then it just it it, it ceases to exist. Mm-hmm. Like that's an interesting concept to me, and I liked that twist at the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was just fun. I just. I, uh, I liked that. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been episode four. No. <laughs> and we're done. I think that was a great episode. Good, good talking, job. TC. And <laughs> no, like, no, not okay. yet. Let, this movie in general, I feel, is is much better than what we had last two weeks, right? We're better than better mm-hmm. than Home on the Range, better than uh, Chicken Little. Which, uh, side note, back to our, our our wonderful listeners again. Man, people hate Chicken Little. Why <laughs> do people hate Chicken Little? <laughs> I feel I feel I feel like TC, you were probably the smarter one at putting it at number four, right as we ended. Right the episode, at the last, end, but even then, I mean, <laughs> which is fine. I, I it it's fascinating to me. That's why I love making the lists as we do, uh, mm-hmm. r- trying to rank these movies and in, in, in our particular taste. We had a lot of uh, between you and I, and I guess this is a conversation that would be better suited for when we rank Meet the Robinsons. But it's worth saying just. How we rank these depends on how we view it, how we're feeling personally, and our conversations here sometimes changes our minds. Um, uh, looking at it from technical as opposed to plot and narrative, uh, the characters themselves, the music, like there's a lot of aspects that go into how we rank them. But I don't think it's, I don't think I'm being unfair by saying Meet the Robinsons is much better than the last two possibly three i guess that's i don't want to give any hint of where i'm going to rank this but so just comparing it to chicken little which was disney's entry in, into the the realm of comp- 
completely CGI animated uh, movies on their own, not right. non Pixar. Uh, this movie's so much superior to Chicken Little. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you can already see they're starting to refine themselves a little bit. It's kind of hard though. I I can't say that it's a clear cut like, oh, well, this is obviously night and day better than Chicken Little. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, from like a technical side, because again, I I will look at certain parts of this film, you know, from the technical aspect right. of it, okay. and, just, and even but even the writing side of it, and the the animation of the characters and the voice acting, I'll I'll look at it from all those point of views. Mm-hmm. It's not night and day better, but you okay. can see that there's mm-hmm. they 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 obviously they had something they were already working with, and they they started already kind of learning something, right. Um, I, I, Not a whole lot because Chicken Little had only been out for you know a short time, and this had already been in production for mm-hmm. well, I, equally as long. I think but. it's I think it's pointing at uh, it's worth pointing at what I already mentioned with Lasseter's effect on changing the villain and having them re- moving the director to to uh, refilm half of this movie. If you you then it's it's almost a little easier. It, it might be a little fuzzy, but it's kind of easier to look at what was probably changed from the original because you're not wrong some of the voice acting some of the animation it's it's weak it's not uh, it's not this is not at a pixar level but mm-hmm. i think with something like the two villains right you got goob and you got or the bowler hat man and you got uh doris the hat that right. feels pixar-y right and and uh though some of the like the traveling through through the future, right? When they're going through this, through the city and uh, in the time machine after Wilbur brings mm-hmm. Lewis, mm-hmm. that doesn't have, that does not pack a punch like I think it should. It's, it's a, it's a neat scene to watch him flying through the city and see the people traveling by bubble and, and some of the technology, but that does not pack the sort of punch. I feel something like Pixar would, if you look at some of the universes they introduce, right? It feels more generic future. Um, and even even being in the house with the family, that's it. That's our cast of characters. We don't see crowd sequences, really. We don't see even the science fair. There's only the characters that speak are in that in that gym. So it feels limited in its scope for a movie that's mm-hmm. traveling through time and space. It, right, right. It has those those limitations. So looking at character and looking at story, I see touches of of the greatness to come or the greatness of that Lasseter could bring into, into Disney. Ideally, it probably would have been better if this was a film that had not already been in production. Yes. When yeah. Lasseter came over, because I have a feeling from the get go, Lasseter, Lasseter would have pushed the film fully in Pixar direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it would have yeah. been a different film altogether with a lot of probably like a lot of the same beats, mm-hmm. but would have been a very different film altogether. This this is the difference between the era of Katzenberg and Eisner and the era we have now entered in with Lasseter. With Eisner and and Katzenberg for all their successes, they they looked at it as businessmen. They looked at it what what will how can we capitalize on the success of this potential film? How can we capitalize mm-hmm. on the, the popularity of Broadway and inject that into our movies. Uh, Pocahontas, Hunchback, when you go like further in the air, okay, lose the musical. How do we get the pop stars in there? They f- they approached film from that pers- from a business perspective. And yes, Laster right. is a businessman. He helped form Pixar. But if if anyone's ever read um, the uh, the there's a great Pixar book that I'll recommend later. Uh, 
Lasseter, the Pixar guys, everything they they start it starts with the story. It starts with the character. That's the most important thing to them, is crafting a story that means something, and then making the setting matter to the story, making making the characters enhance the themes and the motifs. And though we don't we do not see that fully realized here in Meet the Robinsons, Lasseter's hand in in approaching film from that respect, we are going to see that. As these movies go along, uh, stronger mm-hmm. and stronger character arcs and stronger and stronger stories being told. And that's kind of where I'm excited. Much like back when we were in the the initial dark ages of, of Disney in the, the 80s, to mm-hmm. see where Disney went. Or even, I could even argue, even back to the early 70s, watching where Disney went when Walt went away. You know, and, and seeing less of his impact right. went away. Like he went up north to visit family. Uh, no, when he <laughs> passed away is what I meant. Um, yeah, but then, like, seeing where the film, where the movies went, and then like where they hit bottom, in theory, hit bottom, and then started coming back up again. Mm-hmm. This era is, I'm, I'm. It's interesting to watch to to see that to see where like how much of Lasseter's input do we get on these movies just right. as we go from film to film, and you watch it evolve into what is essentially known as, like, is known as, what? Uh, uh, ah, my goodness, I got onto a loop, <laughs> my mouth stopped working, and brains just said, kept repeating. Yeah. Essentially <laughs> is a Pixar-quality film. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see that. I want to, I'm interested to see how it naturally mm-hmm. evolves into that. And, and that's not to say that they aren't still going to be producing films for the sake of business. Let's, let us not forget that, that, Cars is the most successful Disney franchise of all time. <laughs> and if that's not, it may have started as Ugh. the love of the idea that, because this is, Cars is Lasseter's baby. And right. that is a cash cow beyond cash cows. <laughs> no, Definitely. I'm sorry. So yes, we will, we will not, it's not like we can forgive the business maneuvers that we are going to see from this point on, because yes, there will be. But it's worth noting the importance of story and the structure of stories from this point on. Now, we, I had a friend once point out, uh, a friend of ours, Jeff, uh, Bill Corey, he's another podcaster. Mm-hmm. He says, when you're reviewing a movie, the more you talk about another movie reflects on the movie you should be talking about. And we've been, we've been <laughs> segueing away from Meet the Robinsons quite a bit. So let's, let's rein it back in and talk about this <laughs> film. Uh, we, how, did you like it? Like what, you said, you want to maybe rewatch it again. I I do. I want to rewatch it again. There was there was a uh, <laughs> there was a handful of moments in the film that I genuinely laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I always try to. I always jot down what the line is in my notes, just, just so I can kind of look back over and be like, did I laugh when I watched this film, or was it just confusion the entire time? <laughs> um, so there was like there, uh, there was a handful of moments that I, I I enjoyed, but there was a lot of this film I was just confused with and it felt a little too frantic at some points Mm -hmm. to me for you know for me like uh, once we get once we got to the once we got to the house in the future i was very confused as to what this movie was about at this point and i did not understand the introduction of the 10 or 15 family members family just keeps going and going (laughs) yeah i didn't get it i honestly and i didn't know like okay is is this 
is this leading to something? Where are we going with this? Because there was no good signs to tell me that's where it was going. Yeah, structurally, you know? it it they're they're throwing a lot at of us at us with with not much context to to build upon. I understand. Right, um, and 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 that's what that's what threw me off for so much, mm-hmm. and it kind of made me step out of the film for a little while when I was watching it because I just it took me a bit to get back on to what the plot was. Right. And then once they once they introduced the concept of what the plot was and I was I okay and now I'm I'm a little bit more on board. And then all of a sudden like the last twenty minutes of the film it becomes kind of this action y this sci fi action chase, you know, yeah. sequence involving the robots and this ultimate Dinosaur. timeline. It's yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It completely okay. All right. I'm not gonna lie guys. The, the brainwashed frog <laughs> did make me laugh a lot, <laughs> especially when Goob like stopped responding, and, and the brainwashed frog is just like, uh, "Boss, master, master, like master. that, that, that kind master." Of, I'm starting to think this plan wasn't thought through very clearly. Like something right. like that made me laugh. Like I enjoyed that part of the film. Good callback the to that thing. with the dinosaur saying it again later. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making thought of oh, plan out very well. The damn, damn dinosaur made me feel sad too. Because I'm like, he's got tiny little arms, he can't reach it. Oh, uh, but like I, that's the thing is like there was there's a lot of good moments in the film mm-hmm. that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. But unfortunately, like to get to them, it was just a little muddled and a little confusing sometimes. And that's what it, it kind of just made me bounce back and forth as to my like my enjoyment of the film. And that's why I think I need to watch it again because now that I know everything that happens, mm-hmm. I feel like, and I know the type of movie it is, I feel like if I watched it a second time, I would get it. I would I would understand what I, this movie is a little bit better. I, I bet you would. Uh, having gone gone back today, or to, for our discussion today and rewatched it, <laughs> I, I found a little more enjoyment in it now having watched, knowing, where, knowing all the twists and turns that were going to happen, I could hone in on some of the foreshadowing elements and some of the more thematic elements. I say it has this, it doesn't have uh, like the pointing to not having crowd scenes and not having like having a very limited scope to a movie that should have a grander scope. Mm-hmm. Looking at the journey of Lewis and his desire to feel welcome and loved and wanting to have a family. That's, that's there. It's, it's a, it's, a, it's, that's the through line and it's, it's a clear cut through line. It just gets a little scatterbrained as it's going along. But I think the the uh, the the strength of the film is in Lewis's journey to uh, wanting a family and and knowing he can achieve his achieve that in the future. Uh, so I I think you should give it a, a second viewing um, casually. Uh, mm-hmm. On the other hand, I don't. This isn't one of those Disney movies that I race back to to watch. Um, <laughs> In in coming up to rewatching it now, I'm like I I love that it has a Back to the Future esque vibe to it. I hope that is consistent as I'm sitting down to watch it now. You pointing out the humor, there are, though we do have those like too some of the jokes come a little too quickly. They stack yeah. them too much. There are some really solid laugh out loud loud moments for me. Uh, chuckle out loud, if you will. Smile <laughs> out loud, even. Oh, well, um, the yeah. one that the first joke in the movie that made me go ha, like give a good solid laugh was uh, after the PB and J scene where he sprays the the Mr. Harrison, uh, the Mr. Yep. And Mrs. Harrison. Then he's up on the roof. Lois is up on the roof moping, and then his the the caretaker from the orphanage comes up and goes, 
poor Mr. Harrison. I killed him? No, no, he's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing, is that... That's another good point because we have seen some of these movies already just from ones that we watched where they keep throwing jokes at you Mm -hmm. and, you know, two may not not land, but you'll get one that'll be funny. And they don't care if you miss it because they're going to throw another joke at you right away. And it's different Um, different than last week, though, because with with Chicken Little, I said there's plenty of jokes that don't land, but just wait 30 seconds and you'll get a joke that will work. I think this one, the jokes that work come when things slow down. And you and the, right. the joke has a a proper setup knockdown. Not to say the Tom Selleck joke doesn't work when he's when, like, "What's your dad look like?" Um, um. Tom Selleck, and then they put the painting <laughs> of Tom Selleck up. That's that's pretty great, like that. But the the, the quick jokes don't work all that well, right? And and I'm, that's another one of those situations where I'm wondering if if the jokes that do work, the ones that take their time to actually land and land correctly, mm-hmm. are part of that sixty percent that was redone <laughs> for the film. You know, well, like lot- are the ones that come fast and just don't land, or the is that the rim, is that the, the the holdover from the the original cut of the film or the original version of the film? I'd say that's a, a fair theory if you consider the humor between uh, Home on the Range to this uh, home on the range to chicken little to this unfortunately you can see the 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 joke like the p there's two p jokes in this <laughs> like they're the so yeah i just for the forgiveness of loving this library i have to think okay that was the stuff that wasn't working that we've gotten the past few movies and the stuff that works is like okay this is the stuff that's is going to come uh, the the humor I think the humor with the bowler hat man as the villain is great. He if anyone's ever watched or read a series on unfortunate events, the villain feels very much oh. like Count Olaf. Just okay, his, I can see his that. Overly now. dramatic, mustache twirling, like he's and a lot of his mannerisms and delivery is very humorous. <laughs> I did. I did get a little, uh, a little bit from uh, from the Bowler Hat Man of um, uh, Doctor Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb. Yes, oh, there, man, there's you're like right. a, just a little bit, and I don't know if it's if it's his portrayal or it's just the, uh, the idea that he's kind of inept as mm-hmm. well at <laughs> being is. able to do anything. <laughs> Doris is the real villain here because <laughs> right. all I loved when he's explaining. His what he did, and he's like, and then my revenge, and he's egging the house. <laughs> <laughs> like that feels like that's 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 that little, and obviously Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb, uh, which came out in two thousand seven, so right around this exact same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a, more than likely it's just a coincidence, but it I did get a little bit of that too, and I'm like, I, I like that. That's mm-hmm. funny. That's entertaining, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it is something different from a villain that we really. I mean, I guess you you could get a little bit of it from like Emperor's New Groove, kind of that sillier, goofier villain. Um, but at this point in our films, I don't think we've really seen that much often. Like a tr- like a truly incompetent villain like this guy, is, right? I, right. I don't. I don't like. And and his, his rationale is crazy. Like walking through school. Hey, Goob. Hey, Goob. How you doing? They hated me. Like <laughs> <laughs> it. His his story is so great. Like he he's a really fun villain, um, in right. that he, yeah. I, I don't feel like we've had an incompetent villain before. I'm trying to think now. <laughs> I mean, we have really, dum dums I mean, like Gaston, but Gaston's a threat. Like he's a he's a for right. real threat. And and Kronk, 
isn't really a bad guy. He's a right, he's, and that was my argument was that really Kronk and Isma aren't necessarily bad guys. They just they're just doing you know. Well, Yzma she did try to them. murder a guy. <laughs> okay, Arama, details. He's supposed to be details. dead. <laughs> These are details we do not need to attach ourselves to. Right okay. Now. I suppose she is the, but she is still, she's kind of incompetent, but at the same time, she's only in, as incompetent as the guy that she left in charge <laughs> to take care of this crap, which is Kronk, mm-hmm. who is not a bad guy. So. You know, it's a tradition to have an in- incompetent minion. The very first minion in this entire library couldn't do the dirty deed of killing Snow White. He had to let her run away. So, True. you know, it's kind of That's a standard. That set the precedence. <laughs> Kill her. Mm. I'm going to let you no. go. <laughs> Mostly because I don't really feel like it. Uh, uh, it's bad. The, it's, this, this movie has a lot going for it. I think that there is a lot of, of stuff here. And, and I and this isn't one of those movies that would annoy me if I was watching it on a loop. Like I said, my nephew watched it quite a bit. And I always find mm-hmm. a moment to turn my head and watch, look at the TV and be like, oh, that's a fun moment. I like that. Um, I just don't think it has the strength of a good majority of some of the best movies. This certainly isn't a Renaissance-level film. I was going to ask a question because I was trying to find online um, to see if there might have been a little bit more to it. But this film ends with a message from Walt Disney. Well, Yes, with Walt himself. There's a quote that comes up to end the movie. Correct. Right. Now, I wanted to know, like, I wanted to know what the significance behind that quote um, was. That's mm-hmm. what I was trying to find out. I can't find a real... Well, like, what's... A real, What's the quote? Let's see if we can analyze it. (laughs) What's the quote? So right now, the quote is this. Uh, Around here, however, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious. And curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. So my question to you is, Mm -hmm. is that quote at the end of this film, while it does does pertain to the plot that we just saw, um, is that quote more of a message uh from Lassiter being like hey we're not you know it's time to change where we are and where we are with this company you know we're not going to keep going down the same path as we did we need to make this we're going to fix this almost do a message a message to the audience mm-hmm. is my question is that um, like a subtle message to the audience that we're not we're we never standing still we're going to go we're going to try new ways from, new paths from from Disney from the studio themselves to the audience uh, you know, that's, I, I like that. I like that uh, because w- w- some of the reasons that the last era, of, like the last chunk of movies we've been watching have suffered is because they were trying to play catch up to other films, trying to compete with DreamWorks and giving us garbage like Home on the Range and, and Chicken Little and, and trying to do what Pixar's doing without Pixar's method. It's, when studios try to play catch up, that's you're gonna fail. All right, I mean that's the problem with Warner Brothers trying to compete with Marvel. It's it's the problem right. that that faces a lot of uh, television. Um, so to, to think that this movie was, I, I don't want to say an apology because it was in development while other movies were being released, but right. to to right. inject the 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 mantra that Walt himself had in a quote like that to say like we need. Yeah, respect the past and and understand our roots, but we need to keep going forward. We need to keep being curious about if this is going to work and this is going to work, and and yeah, they they are trying things with having Phil Collins do the Brother Bear soundtrack and not making it a full blown musical. Well, that didn't work. Move forward, trying to do a fully CG movie and not 
understanding this what the strengths of CGI are as opposed to what what CGR CGI bleh, of what C, <laughs> of what CGI uh, has as opposed to like don't treat it as a shortcut find a way to embrace it like the Xerox system did like what the Xerox system when you look at uh, that era of of 101 Dalmatians and 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 throughout that the 60s and the 70s the Xerox era came out of necessity of how can we do this easier? Okay, now that we understand how we can do this easier, how do we make it good? Like, it right. can't just be right. that we can pump these out. We have to want to make these movies. Uh, so looking at Meet the Robinsons as a palate cleanser and looking at that quote of keep moving forward, whether that's their intention to say that to the audience or not, my hope in watching the movies to come is that we see them taking the risks again and stop trying to compete and trying to forge their own path. Um, much like Pixar itself did. It, I know it's, uh, some might say it's hard. It's, we shouldn't keep comparing this to Pixar, but Pixar's the gold standard in this era of film. We are watching, look at the movies that have come out in the past five years in as meet the Robinson's is coming out since toy story. Pixar is the gold standard, not Disney and yeah. Disney's, desire to to place themselves as the gold standard of, of animation again whether that's just buying Dixar whole uh, Dixar <laughs> whoa that's what they call them behind their backs no buying Pixar whole hog to put the Disney label on it whatever the case may be their ultimate goal is to return to form return to what Walt dreamed to look at something like Tomorrowland from the Dis- from Disneyland itself and Disney World and embracing the future um, while respecting the past. I think, yeah, I, I, I'm babbling at this point, but there there is something to that quote being reflected on the studio itself. I think, yeah. yeah. It, it, and it worked. Like, don't get me wrong. It, it totally worked as... As a, as, a, as a line for the end of the film, you know, oh, it's from Walt, that's, you know, it's nice, and it's all about seeing the future. Like, that that does work as its own right, but I just, I saw that, and my first thought was, like, that's a message to the audience <laughs> from the studio. Like, we're sorry. Where, we're sorry about what yeah. we've been doing to you. We'll be better. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> fix it. <laughs> and it just, it really, and be, the only reason why I would have, why that even popped in my head was because I knew Lasseter was now in charge when this film came out. Mm-hmm. And that just feels very much so like something he'd be like, no, I want to use this quote. Because, you know, it's got the line, you know, it's got the keep moving forward uh, from the movie in it. But we need to use this quote. We need to yeah. tell people this, we're, we're going to fix this. We're going to work on this. We're going to make better films. Mm-hmm. I could just picture that happening. Uh, <laughs> and, and again, we're we're certainly not tearing this movie apart like we did with, with the past couple. Uh, and and this is a is a good start. This is a good start to what's to come. Um, and I'm I have everything we're seeing from this point on, ex- aside from okay, not so true. There's two movies we're going to be watching down the line that I've seen a bunch. <laughs> and <laughs> aside from that, there's several on this list to come that I've only seen once. And watching the history of the studio through these films, I'm very curious to see how how my viewing of them is affected. Uh, because Meet the Robinsons itself was affected by my understanding of this shift. Um, part, part of me wonders if I might enjoy movies more if I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. But there's no <laughs> knowing. I can't, I can't disconnect myself from loving trivia and reading the books about production and, and yep. you know wanting to absorb as much of filmmaking in general. 
Um, but a part of me does wonder if I might enjoy a movie more if I didn't know so much, right? <laughs> you know, I've been wondering that my entire life. When I started, when I was very little, I watched movies um, and loved to know how they did the special effects mm -hmm. and like the visual effects. Like that was my big thing as a kid. And I really, I realized around the time of was like 12 or 13, I'm like, man, I know how they do all this stuff. I, it's taking away the I magic. Do I enjoy movies? Yeah, I'm like, do I enjoy movies anymore? Because so, I know how they do all this stuff. I know it's not real. Yeah. And I, I, I've, I've wondered that too, honestly. Sir, I've wondered if I would enjoy movies more if I didn't know so much about what goes into the making of the right. film, what goes into making good movies, the right, just like all of that, the those aspects. And Something... I know it does. It, it, it taints my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm well aware of that. I can't help to be a little biased because I understand how... I understand all the work that goes into it, so yeah, that kind of changes my thoughts. Um, this film, compared to if you don't know all the details or you don't care to know all the details, and, and, and just watch it for good or as a movie for good, it could be better or it could be worse. Knowing knowing what we've been discovering along the way might have made you like the movie a little bit more, as opposed to making it making you like it less. Uh, something I I decided years ago, I stopped reading the goofs section on IMDb because some of yeah. them were so pedantic that it ruined things for me. Like, I don't care that the glass is this full in one shot and this full in the other shot. I understand continuity errors is, is very low yeah. on the list when it comes to editing <laughs> now. So I stopped. And that's my recommendation to any of you who might go to IMDb to read the trivia. Skip the goofs, because that's just yeah. going to ruin things for you. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you're going to see. The next mm -hmm. time you watch a film, you're not going to be paying attention to the plot the characters, the performance, anything, any, even the visual effects, nothing. You're going to be paying attention to the fact that the Coke can constantly faces <laughs> it's, it's the, the camera. Yeah, every single time it cuts in reverse, like every time it flips between two people talking, it's mm -hmm. always facing the camera. It's like, oh, that's all you're going to see now. <laughs> Don't read it. I highly agree with TC. Uh, I give that the <laughs> official top shelf stamp of approval yes. of recommendations. Skip Congratulations, the Congratulations, TC. That's... The first of those. Mm, that's the highest honor I <laughs> we've ever given out. Exactly. I mean, that's it. We're done, right? That's the end of uh, our careers because mm -hmm. I created an award <laughs> that I then gave to you and you received it and we're done, right? That's uh, it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Danny Elfman did the score for this movie. Which I am ashamed mm -hmm. that I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I think I knew, I think I might have known from ages ago, but mm -hmm. I... When that credit came up at the end, I went, oh, I didn't, oh, he did do the music. Oh, Be and Because he's so known for his Tim Burton scores, I think people forget that he's capable of more than just... Yeah, he's known for more, he's able to do more music than just German Oompa Oompa music, basically. <laughs> he did the score for this, he did the score for the first Mission Impossible. Eh? Yes, yes. So, Brought it in at the last second to do the score, right. too, actually. Speaking of Back to the Future, Alan Silvestri did the original score. We're triviaing all over the place right now. <laughs> this is what the podcast is come on guys <laughs> uh yeah it's it's a good score i like them the it's the some of my favorite types of scores are the ones that don't get in your face like right they, they and this one definitely did not it enhances all. the the worlds because the music in the first half versus the music in the future is very distinct uh there's some great character motifs with lewis and in his discovery of the characters around him uh and and it's just, it's always worth mentioning when these scores are done by people of serious note, you know, like having James Newton Howard or Hans Zimmer doing, not James Newton Howard, um, yeah, yeah, right? 
Whatever. For which one? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I, I'm, I'm okay, bailing. okay. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to bring it up to you. So oh, God, it's very so personal sorry. for me. <laughs> Uh, James Newton Howard and TC have a history, guys. Don't bring it up, okay? <laughs> uh, so gr- some fun music in here as well. Um, but uh, I, uh, the only other note I have here is the my a credit to some of the foreshadowing elements, like Goob being having bags under his eyes is not because he's some little emo kid. It's because Lewis never lets this poor kid sleep. <laughs> and I don't know about you, Jeff, but if I don't get enough sleep, I can be a bit of a supervillain. TC has been known to uh, steal inventions from science kids and uh, use them against them as a plot to destroy them. It's well, you know, if 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 my neighbors would just turn down their oompa oompa music, I wouldn't be you so know, angry. A man's got to score movies. Come on, leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to write it sometime. Do you do you uh, have any other notes? Uh, before, because we got, got a bunch of comments from the listeners we can get to. But if you... Yep, and I think we should get to the comments. I don't have any other notes. The only thing that I had left was the trope for this film. Because, mm. oh. of course, we had a trope. We had a Disney trope, everybody. Mm-hmm. Does, does everybody know what it is? Is it, Come the, on, everybody. Is it the perpetually barefoot character? No, not this time. But it is the orphan <laughs> the protagonist. orphan protagonist, yes. <laughs> uh, actually, that goes into someone through. I had two different people throw theories at, at us because, and we haven't oh, okay. had we haven't had theories to play with lately, um, just because the movies don't really lend themselves. Although we did theorize that Chicken Little's in the Zootopia universe, so I guess there's that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we introduced the theory section without intending on introducing right. the, the theory section. <laughs> Uh, so first up is from J.K. J.K. says uh, it's a theory on Lewis's mother. Okay, and okay. I do not subscribe to this. I, I'm I'm sorry to say this, J.K., but it is not a theory I subscribe to because you are you are crossing universes here, and I don't think it's fair. <laughs> the theory is Lewis is Lewis's parents' syndrome and mirage from The Incredibles. Uh, in that, in in the 30-year span between 2007 to the future, uh, the technological boom is very unrealistic for one man to have accomplished. But if (laughs) Lewis was um, a a descendant or Syndrome's son, and that means Syndrome's company exists, which means that technology Syndrome was creating could have been bequeathed to uh, Mirage after he and her, or after Syndrome died... (laughs) Uh, and that Mirage would be uh, would have inherit, inherited Syndrome's company and therefore all of his technology and release that technology and yada yada yada. You get the the future has arrived, mm-hmm. and Lewis's <laughs> hair sticks up the like Syndrome. Uh, the future is now. That Sorry, it's... Lewis's hair sticks up like Syndrome's. Um, though this is a fun idea, it doesn't this doesn't play. Lewis is quite Caucasian, first of all, uh, and. <laughs> You're going from the Pixar universe to a, a Disney reality, um, so though it's a fun they also theory. Did uh, they also did establish in um, the Incredibles? If you look at the newspaper it's, that Mr. Incredibles yeah. reading at one point, that it does take place in I think 1967. In the 60s, yes, that would have been my yep. my Unfortunately, other. Unfortunately, this one like where this one doesn't have a time frame, but they mm-hmm. go to 2037, and Lewis is obviously just a normal adult, like a normal middle aged adult. Obviously, it wasn't. Like a hundred years that have passed, like it hasn't, it hasn't, or not a hundred, it hasn't been uh, seventy years that have passed. It's only been about thirty, right? Uh, so it kind of does put this into the no. It's it's when he was a when he was orphaned. It was pretty much 
2000 and it's kind of just a modern day with a different aesthetic though yeah. i do like the theory i like the concept <laughs> thank thank you for tweeting and i should mention if you want to tweet at the show you can tweet at me at tc's big head and you can tweet at jeff at random bell uh, we also have a comment i'm section. on twitter you're on twitter <laughs> <laughs> i'm on twitter people yeah i promise you all i'm on twitter <laughs> uh, i do have another one from although they didn't put the name what's what's uh what is lewis's future wife's name he meets her at the science fair I'm trying oh, to get that the, the, that's uh, Franny. Franny, okay. Okay, so the second theory here comes from... Where's your name? Oh my gosh, where is it? Sorry, I'm looking, I'm looking. looking. I watch films with a Z. <laughs> oh, okay. At right. uh, I watch films says, uh, the paradoxical nature of this movie could fa- Franny be Lewis's mom as well as his wife. So that Lewis, thus making Lewis his own father. I'm my own grandpa. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> now Fry's his own grandfather in Futurama. That is true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Good I, news, everyone. The, 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 I don't know. That the, one's weird to me. I The only support why? of this is that they yeah. used Franny's body model for Lewis's mother. Right. And right. and they took a, and so he presents an image here where they enhanced the color so they got rid of the darkness and you can see, clearly see it's Franny's face in the cloak. <laughs> I oh. I think and Jeff you would know this more better than I having been an animator. They probably just used the model because they didn't want to because with like 2D animation you can just draw a cloak standing, right? You don't have right. to have a body underneath it, but for CG, once you need a structured character that you can move around underneath yeah, and because they wanted to have like little glimpses of her face, they would have they would have had to have had a model of a face and a model of a body. And at this era in time, it would have just been easier to reuse a pre-existing model that, you know, in theory, you're not supposed to really see what she looks like. She just has kind of vague uh, appearances. Right. You had, um, I mean, you had to you get know, in there and enhance the the contrast and brightness to to see a face. So. Right. And they wouldn't have spent the time. I know this is ridiculous, but at the time <laughs> they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have spent the time of creating a brand new looking character for somebody who's going to be hidden underneath a cloak. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's why a lot of these early like a lot of early even Pixar, you could argue even the Pixar stuff. A lot of those early ones, you look in the crowds and it's literally the same like four models. Copy paste, copy paste, copy you know? paste. I'm pretty positive the kids that show up to Andy's party in Pixar or in Toy Story mm-hmm. are like there's at least there's I think there's only three kids that show up. <laughs> and like there's, yeah, it's, it's duplicates yeah. of the same model, and they, they would have done that all the time. Just use the assets, or, or, or my theory is oh. the reason they made Franny this look like, or made his mom look like Franny is because Lewis actually has some mother issues. It's an, it's an he, Oedipal complex. He it's like an is attracted to, and he <laughs> was attracted to a person who looked like his mom that he would have seen. Get mm. this, he would have seen what she kind of looked like. When he went back in time and saw her delivering himself as a kid, so he would have found somebody who looks kind of like his mom as a kid who grows up to be looking like his mom. I think that's a more it's a more logical, it's, it's another back to the future reference. I theory. think is what you're. Yes. You're <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the tweets. I, I'm sorry we squashed both those theories. They just I like the notions behind. They're good theories. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I can't I can't get behind them. <laughs> you know what I can get behind? What's TV, that? Though? There's one thing I can get behind. What's it's all that? the movies that we have watched so oh, far on this oh, podcast. No. Oh, we no. skipped this. 
shoot. I actually have not. We started answering questions. <laughs> I actually have not considered where I was going to rank this. Normally, I write it down okay. before we start the episode. And I, had I will considered... go first then, TC. Oh my god! Well, okay, I will well... be kind and polite, and I will go first, despite the fact that I got you. Yeah, you did get. And me. I asked oh, you first. Oh man, you're gonna make not gonna make me suffer. Okay, I think I know about where it's gonna go. <sighs> well, I mean, if you think you know, you can go. No, no, go ahead. Let me think about it. Go ahead. I want to hear where you end up. <laughs> so this was an interesting film. Um, as I said, I was I was kind of confused, and I. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, when they were introducing the family in the, you know, uh, in the future, my note at that point, which is about halfway through my list, was I don't understand this movie. What is happening? <laughs> um, that was my note. Uh, obviously, I, I got it after the fact because my notes got very uh, short and minimal after that. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm not gonna lie. I went into this film and I was a little confused. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't quite get what was happening i didn't understand what the main thread of the film was Mm -hmm. but i still enjoyed it i still had some fun with it i laughed at it in some spots and then once i understood what the plot was i i think i actually i enjoyed it more uh i enjoyed the second half of the film more than the first half and that kind of saved the film from being lower on my list (laughs) uh though i won't lie it's Mm-hmm. So it beat out Chicken Little by oh so much. Okay, okay. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So I'm making it my number three. Number three. So that puts Lilo, um, Treasure Planet, Atlantis as above. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Uh, so, no, no. It no, puts that's, it number that's Oh, okay. That's Yeah. Because <laughs> my Chicken Little was number three. So for me, this is still above Atlantis. Um, I just, I I don't know, I enjoyed, I did enjoy the humor in it. Once I, once we got to the, the humorous parts, I was having fun with this film. Right. And I enjoyed it. I do, as much crap as Chicken Little gets, I still do like Chicken Little. <laughs> and I, that's fine, I, that's fine. You know, it's not the greatest film in the world, but I like it. It's fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and I do. And I, I can see what they're trying to do with this film. I can see the humor they're trying to interject because it is more recognizable humor. It is the humor from Pixar films. It's the humor I like. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like Phineas and Ferb, <laughs> and the humor did remind me of Phineas and Ferb in some spots. Like, that's funny. I like that type of humor, and... and at the end of the day, with the time travel aspect of it and and the humor and just some more of the, the animation, like just a little bit more, it, it was a little bit better than Chicken Little. Okay. So it is it is my number three beating out Chicken Little by a few feathers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so now given all that into consideration <laughs> and... You know, I, I, I'm going to let what happened last week happen again this week in that okay. knowing gonna what's... going to move it? No, no, no. I'm not, yeah. not going to move it around where it's going to go is <laughs> okay, where it's no. going to go. Uh, okay. Seeing where we're going, looking at the, the ambition that they had here, seeing the, the, the touches of the goodness of Pixar in the movie, uh, this is a movie of moments. You mentioned that earlier, that there's sprinkled throughout this whole thing there are genuine jokes that land there, and I feel there's genuine heartfelt moments that land. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the the final montage of 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 him a, when the, before, right before the quote comes up, the way the movie ends um, with the song they use, these small hours. You got to Matchbox Twenty in there, right? 
Um, yep, yep. Rob Thomas. Which yep. when that started playing, I went, "Oh, that's right. I forgot they that, yeah. that there was a song for this movie." It, I like this song. And this is this is one, that's one of those elements that Pixar nails so well. It's like if you put Sarah McLaughlin playing with just the right imagery, <laughs> if you're te- if you don't have a couple tears in your eyes, you're doing it wrong, right? And yep, yep. <laughs> the, she got brought up again, right? Um, and I think that I was gonna start singing, but I'm like, ah, oh, did I already all play that <laughs> joke a little bit? Maybe I did. I won't sing this time. So, <laughs> and I and we've moved beyond some traditional tropes of of the fairy tale elements of Disney, and we're moving into some interesting ideas of what is a villain, what is a hero. The the structure of this movie, though it is a little bit scattered brain, when you just look at the thematic arc of Lewis trying to find his place in his own world and finding what will drive him forward. There's a lot of heart in this movie. And yep. though I, it's not leaps and bounds above or below anything we've seen so far, I think I'm going to put it at my number three just above Atlantis. Ooh. I'm going to put it below Treasure Planet and above Atlantis. And, and this Interesting. Is, it's a tight squeeze to pop it in there. <clears throat> Because some of these these movies are so close, I I really enjoy the journey of Jim in 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 uh, Treasure Planet. This and this movie's no no not even touching Lilo and Stitch. That's still solidly number one. But in <laughs> good because there's some people I know that will be very upset if we push <laughs> no, Lilo and Stitch down from number one, especially for names. for Meet the Robinsons. No, Lilo and Stitch is solidly <laughs> safely just a. a just a perfect film of the ones we've watched so far. And I, I really enjoyed Jim's, Jim's journey in, in treasure planet. It's a, a far more ambitious film having the villain of shade that's in shades of gray. I mean, yes, I hate Martin shorts, Ben in, in there. <laughs> There's still a lot happening in that film that really, really works in the utilization of CG and the fact that it exists beyond all, sabotage whether it was intentional or not whereas atlantis they do a lot of info dumps Uh, there's those scenes where the characters are just like here's all the information about them and the payoffs don't work yes that does happen in meet the robinsons where all these characters are like this and this and this and this and this but there's a little more thematic payoff in those characters in the long run I don't. I I don't mean to be sound wishy-washy because i'm firmly placing this at number three i just want it to be clear that this is a very tight race between some of these movies. Definitely. So there Definitely. You go. And it's funny, TC, our lists are very similar. We've only the only things that are different on both of our lists mm-hmm. are the are where Chicken Little and Atlantis are. Those are the two that are swapped. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Because our first three are the same and our last two are the same. Mm-hmm. It's just Chicken Little and Atlantis are flip flopped. So it's fascinating that this time around we have we are very close on our ranking. Okay. Um and I'm very intrigued to see where we go in the future ones. Now, I do have some questions. I That was not me wrapping up the podcast. Okay, okay. Uh, we do have some some comments, right? Was there more comments or Yes, no? yeah, we have a fair share okay. of comments from the okay. facebook.com slash top shelf pod, where every week before we record, we will throw up the episode. So if you want to throw some questions or comments at us for us to discuss, that's the place to do it. Once the episode airs, typically Wednesdays, this one's going up tomorrow. Uh, wait, I mean, unless you're listening to this in the future, then it doesn't matter when it went up. But Time travel! The episode is posted, so now that you've listened to it, feel free to engage us in conversation there. We love uh, 
I I absolutely 100% appreciate everyone calling me out on all our mistakes last week. <laughs> I, I don't want that to sound cynical. I really really appreciate that you guys engage with us and and let and let let it let me know. <laughs> let us know things. Absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, you know, any conversations we have with anybody is 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 all in fun mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I know like I know TC and I I kind of jab each other every once in a great while and, and tease each other, and it's all in fun. And <laughs> and I I love I love waking up, and despite the fact that I know I don't make a lot of comments on the Facebook, I only do it every once in a while. But I still read everybody's comments, and mm-hmm. I enjoy everyone's <laughs> comments, and I'm very ha- happy and grateful that y'all like listening to us talk. Yeah, I don't know why I went southern, but you know, it's just me. It's cool. Uh, so <laughs> let's cool. let's hit this up. So the first comment we got this week was from Aaron Williams. A Aaron. Aaron. All caps. A Aaron. Yep. Uh, he was he was worried we had taken the week off, but uh, if we hadn't, he threw a message up here. So, uh, and he also told you I was a little worried that everyone was telling you not to spoil this for you. That eventually you'd start putting things together. Like, why am I not supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, I was in a completely different world. I did not because I, 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 I even read. I started reading Aaron's comment mm-hmm. when I went. So Jeff, don't read it if you haven't seen it. I went okay, and I clicked off, <laughs> not thinking like yeah. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe it's a movie about time travel. Well, now let's see what he had to say. Uh, I'd say that this is the deepest movie to date. Endearing struggles uh, now for a better tomorrow. Betrayal, revenge, the importance of family and belonging. If you thought Fox and the Hound brought tears to your eyes, um, uh, this is all out waterworks. The kids were watching it a few weeks ago, and I was getting all wood, uh, and I was getting all wood sick in. Oh, I was getting all weepy for seeing bits and pieces. I skipped a line. It's, I'd say an excellent movie, but not one that would stick in for a good time knowing about it now. Uh, I love the Tom Selleck reference. So funny yep. and something the kids wouldn't have understood. Yes, Tom Selleck joke yep. is great. And Aaron, I, you are right. I, and we, we touched on that, that this has a bit of a deeper story than than what we've seen through the traditional Disney, when we move out of the Renaissance, move out of the fairy tales, and start exploring these types of stories, it, you you can delve into deeper subject matter. Right, these types of stories, which which is something that obviously Pixar is really good at, but it's the it's the stories that people can relate to. And yeah, you could in theory relate to some of the fairy tale stories, and you know some of the prince and princess. You could you could find some connection to it, mm-hmm. but. These types of movies are the ones that that give you a storyline that's that's emotional or it's something that you could place yourself into. It's it's common feelings of being human, you know, of losing somebody you love or being alone or not, you know, not knowing, you know, not knowing who your parents were, but wanting to 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 try to find them and do anything you can yeah, to find yeah. who your parents were. Like that's that's all that's all relatable topics that I feel like we are able, yeah, we're just really able to relate to them a lot better than than what we've seen in the past. I don't know about you, TC. Mm-hmm. I relate better to a blonde-haired scientist than I do <laughs> to a cow. I think just say what when when Disney <laughs> thrives in their films, it's typically the outsider. In a lot of these movies, the protagonist is the outsider trying right. to find where they belong, um, and that's that that is certainly one of the standards of this entire library and right. the movies that don't necessarily have an outsider finding where they belong, eh, you know, home on the range doesn't have that element to it. Um, but some of the strongest movies do Mulan, obviously little mermaid, beauty and the beast, uh, sword in the stone. Um, 
one would argue Jungle Book, he feels like he belongs and he's not an outsider, which would give credence to Jeff's hatred towards it. <laughs> yes, yes. So, Arr, so movie. Wyatt over at the Facebook, <laughs> uh, over on the Facebook thread says, this and another film coming in just a few episodes have a big distinction from the rest of the library that, he feels, haven't been displayed since Fantasia 2000. I feel as if Walt's essence was captured in Meet the Robinsons, his fascination with the ever-looming future becoming quite prominent, right down to the on-the-nose today land, not to mention the uh, a cover of There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow from the Carousel of Progress, which plays at the end mm-hmm. and credits, um, but performed by They Might Be Giants, great nerd band. <laughs> Uh, while the film also has a bit of an awkward humor in the la- than the last two films, it is a f- it is far superior in terms of teaching for an emotional response from the viewer. The fact that the entire plot revolves around a child searching for his mother and finding out that the best way for him is to stay uh, best uh, let time stay the way it is speaks volumes to how uh, we should keep me- moving forward. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is how this affects the remainder of the library and how, you know why I didn't read this comment until now. I think we're on the same page here. One thing you can keep in mind for how this affects the remainder of the library is how the Disney revival began by following the tropes and values of the early Disney films, whether they be from the Golden Age or the Renaissance. But as time goes on and ladies with ice and ocean powers come into the picture, the studio seems to be fighting against the past as much as it is honoring it. Just an observation I picked up on and will be elaborated on in upcoming posts. Okay, so agree and disagree there. So I know people hate Frozen, but we've got to give that thing a fair shake when we get to it. <laughs> yep, and I and I'm going to I won't lie, I have seen Frozen more times than I should considering I don't have kids um but because of my nieces. Yeah. Uh and I will still go into Frozen with a clean slate mm-hmm. with a with a fresh eyes and go, "Okay, let's watch what this piece of crap is." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but why you are no, right no. that this this honors what what Walt himself was attempting while trying to push towards the future and keep going forward, right? Uh, I I agree with you in that this has a lot of love for what came while keeping its eyes firmly set on the future. Uh, that's that is why I think Meet the Robinsons thrives in a lot of its and uh, a lot of what's here. It's still thin, but I feel I do feel that there's there's something great happening in this film in the company itself. Uh, oh, he does. Definitely. I didn't see this. He added a second comment. I apologize if that comment seemed too presumptuous. I didn't mean to say I'm an authority on Walt Disney. I just know the kind of man he was, and just for the information he's gathered. Um, so yes, uh, why you are you're you are right. Don't feel don't feel like you need to apologize because uh, we certainly have our feelings and opinions about Walt as the creator he was in the early parts of this library. Um, and and you're right. It it ripples into what we're seeing now. So I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you love Frozen and that, and you were not taking a dig at it, but <laughs> we, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, Zach Edwards says Meet the Robinson is one of the more underrated Disney films. <clears throat> it has memorable characters and a strong story as well as ex- a well-executed plot twist. I would guess that it's probably often forgotten about because of the films around it. I mean, hell, Ratatouille came out this year, so and the Sim- yeah. and the Simpsons movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, exa- that's right. I saw both those in theaters. I did not see this one in theaters. And because the film's right around, particularly the ones preceding it, I haven't left, it hasn't left much of a cultural footprint since its release. This film has a great heart and deserves to be remembered much more fondly than it is. And, and just to keep piggybacking off a lot of what, we saying, what we've been saying here, Zach, though it might not have a cultural impact, 
this is the, it does have an impact um, in in narrative in plots and uh, maybe not necessarily the technological advancements we've seen from some other movies in this era. Uh, there there is an impact in some respects. So yes, I I think there is an audience for this movie. It's it's certainly not the cult following that Treasure Planet has or or even Atlantis. But I do think that there is an audience for this. This is one of those movies I feel like can be discovered now. Stick a kid in front of this with an imagination. And I, I don't know about you, Jeff. I don't know what you wanted to be when you wanted to be little. When I was little, I wanted to be an inventor. That was what I wanted to be Doc Brown. Like, yeah. never a writer, an oh, actor, or anything. Fitting. I wanted to be. A... I wanted to travel through time. So that's fitting. <laughs> um, let's see. Natasha. Oh. Well, you commented on Natasha, so Jeff, why don't I you, just why don't you Natasha, read what she has to way. say? <laughs> <laughs> so people can stop hearing right. my voice. Jeff, you read the comment. <laughs> All right, so this is from Natasha. Any movie that has time travel, I love. The Robinson family is so funny and random. Lewis telling Wilbur what he found out about the family is great. I quote, I have a big head and little arms quite often. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Carl saying, danger, Will Robinson, but I guess that was something I wish I happened, or I wish happened. Little Wonders by Rob Thomas is an amazing song and has definitely helped me get through some hard times. Keep moving forward. I completely agree on a lot. Natasha nailed like the the the, the aspects of this film that I enjoyed the most. Same time travel. You. Yeah, like the I have a big head and little arm. Like the, that's the whole T Rex gag <laughs> and the, the oh I just ah and then I I do like the Rob Thomas song at the end of the yeah. movie and I remember listening to it a lot myself when this when it first came out and. Yeah, no, Natasha and I, we're on the same way. I like the way she thinks. I, like I didn't, how... <laughs> this is a good example of, that I, we saw in something else. I didn't remember that this, that, that song came from this movie. How did yeah. nobody say I, Danger Will Robinson in this? That, that, I know, right? I, it's so close. His name's Wilbur Robinson. There's a robot. There's lots of danger. How did they not, you know what? I'm kind of glad they didn't come to think of it because maybe that would have been a little too on the nose. <laughs> It would have been, and because you know where where I would have put it. Unfortunately, mm. it's when the robot gets uh, skewered through the chest. Oh, you know, yeah, and, and and which was all. By the way, I didn't make a comment about this while we were talking about it, but I went, "Holy cow, <laughs> that's a dark moment." Yeah. All of a sudden, there's kind of this weird dark moment. Shunk. But that's where that line. Major I would have put that line Will there. Robinson. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's and it would have gotten a little bit of chuckle, but it also potentially would have undercut mm-hmm. the fact that the robot just got. Yeah, I for, that was I forgot. I, I did actually have a note about the skewering of the robot as a as a great death. Although maybe we're reaching into a, a Disney tradition from this point on of killing characters and bringing them right back. That death has True. no <laughs> gravity when it comes to. True. I know that's a Marvel problem, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> what I don't know what you're talking about. One, one I mean, more comment. <laughs> one more comment here from Brad. Uh, I feel not many people saw this one because the animation is a little flat and uninspired. Definitely not overly amazing, but it has a lot of heart. Misfit Orphans looking for a place in the world always gets me to tear up a little. You are right on, uh, Brad. Absolutely. The the animation of this, it does not have a, a, a an impressive quality to it. It's it's you can see where we're going here in terms of like human CG characters animated this way. Um, Unfortunately, I I actually don't like how every single human character kind of fits a similar mold from this point on. We talk about Disney eyes of the past, right? I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the look 
of Disney characters from in the CG arena that we're going to see from this point on because this is just pretty much exactly how Pixar does their CG human characters. I yeah. really like the movies that came before this in their distinct design, having a unique look and quality, having something like Mike Mignola doing uh, Atlantis or uh, Lilo and Stitch having a very distinct look to their to their characters. I like mm-hmm. that when it comes to uh, character design. And we're kind of getting into a very standard look to the human characters from this point on. Right. They kind of they kind of they kind of hit that that stride, which was similar to the early '90s, the Renaissance films, because you could argue that you could argue that like Ariel and Belle and Jasmine and Aladdin and all of them all kind of have a similar mm-hmm. look to them, you know. And and unfortunately, we are yeah right. We're hitting that era of hey, look, we found a new look. Yeah. And this is it's, what everyone's gonna look like. It's not bad. It's just I prefer no. it when they they take risks and design characters that that really pop and stand out and and you couldn't confuse for another character right <laughs> exactly exactly but when they start looking all kind of the same mm-hmm. eh, yeah. okay the, the, it starts getting harder the meet the robinson's characters certainly have unique qualities to them they aren't they aren't they don't look exactly like uh penny who's coming up in the, i think in the next movie uh, but they it's starting to get into a a, a a very similar look but thank you everyone for listen, for for commenting and, and giving us yes. some some points of conversation here hopefully we didn't screw up anything this week uh well guys if we screwed up anything this week please berate us heavily in the comment section <laughs> below the post we like to know where we messed up mm-hmm. so that way we can pretend to be better next week uh, <laughs> what is next week <laughs> well next week tc tc next mm-hmm. week that's just fun to say um is the 2008 film the classic john travolta and miley cyrus vehicle bolt Yes, that is the, that is the next that's movie it. we're watching. That's the that's the next movie. That's that's all I had to say. I okay. I, Have you seen this one? Uh, no. Okay. I, which is funny because I know I know John Travolta and Miley Cyrus are the two main voice actors in it. I have never seen it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what happens in it. Mm-hmm. But the flippin' marketing for this film, I remember just making a huge deal about them being the two voice characters. Well, I, actors, and I went like, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to the, as as I always say. I, I should have a T-shirt that says "I look forward to." That's your T-shirt <laughs> of what we have. Oh, we, to... the, see, we have we. That's three T-shirts we have now. TC, <laughs> <laughs> you have a list, don't you? You're writing this down I'm, somewhere. <laughs> I'm making a list, maybe somewhere. You know, okay. it's fine. Is one of well, them. Well, as uh, so, as yeah, we continue to move forward in this this new era, uh, as we are running parallel with Pixar and John Lester running both the companies at the same time, I mentioned this book earlier. I want to actually give a plug for it. Um, yes, it's, thank uh, you we, for bringing it up. I looked it up because yeah. I'm. Create- I'm pretty positive I know which book it is that you you're referencing. It's so Creativity and uh, Creativity Inc. Yep. That is, if you are a creator of any type, whether you're a writer, a filmmaker, an artist, an actor, any any sort of creative, you know, beyond creative, if you want to read a very fun and and um, inspirational book on the Pixar process, Pixar and Beyond is great. Uh, to Infinity and Beyond, the Pixar process is great, but Creativity Inc. 
is I've listened. Find the audiobook even if 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 it'll give you something to listen to on on the Damn way it, to work. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna try to pull an audible like uh, audible commercial here at the second. <laughs> like, and if you want to listen to Creativity at Inc., you can listen to it on Audible.com, narrated by Peter Ochsler. You know, use the promotion the code <laughs> Audible. Yes. Yeah. Right. I we are not sponsored almost, by Audible yet. <laughs> Yeah, we're, you know we're, you know when we're going to be sponsored by Audible? Last episode. Last That's episode. the only episode that we're uh, going to be sponsored by them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Check that book out. It is a lot of fun to read, and it is very inspirational, much like the Pixar movies themselves are. It's the history of the company and their process. It's very, very cool. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all we have for this week, I think. Yeah, Jeff, good times. That's all yeah. I got this week. Good times <laughs> as always, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode. Thanks for joining us mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. We'll see you guys next week. We're coming. We're we're, we're slowly coming to the end of this Stop. set of ten. Okay, so it's right. gonna be exciting. So, <laughs> so no, not for the end of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I was keeping from <laughs> saying that. All but, right, all right. You know, it's this, also true. So we're almost the, at the end the, of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're TC, done with this ahead. episode Stop. at the very least. This is been a podcast we've been the people you've been listening to and this is a sign-off yeah Yeah. that is true these Uh, small hours you dang it tc (laughs) stop being so much like me i was trying to find the lyrics (laughs) because i wanted to sing it (laughs) this has been a production of ghost hat media proud member of the ghost hat network Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending.